Hello. Got a little popping sound over here. Hmm. Pop, pop. I just archived a bunch of the duck because it was getting logy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't had time to uh, assess your uh, your archiving. I duplicated this document, uh, kept you as uh, an editor, retained the comments, etc., and uh, provided a link at the bottom of this document. Exciting. Well, if I don't say it, who knows what I'm going to hear about this. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is, if I go and look at the versions to see what you snuck in, it takes a really super long time. Yeah. Have you noticed this? I mean, I don't I don't go to the versions to see what you snuck in, so no, I haven't noticed that. I don't sneak anything in because I'm a dignified man. And no, really? You don't sneak anything in? Sneak? What sneak? No sneak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. It's all I'm 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 an open book. <laughs> to to mm-hmm. a to a fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how is what you add to the document not sneaking and what I add sneaking? Are you really asking me this? Because I'm happy to answer yeah. it. Yes, but you, okay, you got all the. Oh, I'll tell you the distinction. Here's the distinction. The distinction is you you come you come come in on your jetpack at the last second and add a bunch of stuff that's very embarrassing to me. I don't get a chance to go in. It's the setting aside the jetpack, which I'm going to just say is a is a you know rhetorical flourish. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the timing. The timing is distinguished sneaking from not sneaking. It's also just your your ongoing uh, your your journey to uh, just to humiliate me at every turn as as the good cop. And your monkeys come in and they say, "Oh, John, John speaks truth to power." That was that was kind of a what was it? I don't know. Did we curse in this program? I don't know if we curse in this program. That's okay, Jim will bleep. But go ahead. I was going to say it was the poop sandwich, but it's the opposite oh, of right. like oh, a compliment sandwich, like a compliment sandwich. No, but like like a poop sandwich, they say that. It's like, well, does that mean that the filling is poop or that the bread is poop? Oh, I know. Well, you should take it up on your other uh, podcast. But no, but I, I did that. I, I did one of those to my daughter last night. Yeah. You, you did one where the bread was poop, though, because your first reason about the jetpack was stupid. Your second reason about the timing had merit. And then you immediately passed it by and went back to the third <laughs> poop reason, which was your embarrassment. Man, this is that call out. I thought we talked about call out culture. I'm just, I'm speaking the truth to the truth to power. No, I'm not, I'm not calling, I'm not calling you out. You're already here. I'm here. I'm an open book. I do that. Mm, yeah. The bread was poop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do now is my new thing is I do a named version uh, right before I call you. And that way mm-hmm. I have a double extra easy way to go in and see what you've snuck in to humiliate me. But, but when do you make the named version? Uh, oh, usually right before I call you. Yeah, but what was it like five minutes, one hour? Oh, geez. 30 seconds. Oh, my God, you're right. <gasps> this is that problem. This is that problem where like too much security is not enough security. Like you're diffing against, I don't yeah. know. I mean, anyway, to uh, to add to what I was saying before, I don't mm-hmm. uh, look at the, the version history to see what you've added because I just look at the document. Oh, you read it? And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I look at it with my eyeballs. Okay. And okay. then in my eyeballs, see words that I didn't write, then I assume you wrote it because I don't think anyone else has edited Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I locked that down. But you do, you definitely sneak stuff in. And I think if you were being honest with the audience, you would say that's because you want to secretly humiliate me before you publicly humiliate me. No, that's not true at all. It's not? Is it just you're trying to sharpen me like a knife? 
Sometimes, but that's not why I write things in document. I write things in document so so I know what I want to talk about on the show. You know what I tell? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I tell my daughter. Well, first of all, I did give her a sandwich last night, and I said, mm-hmm. I, "I really, I really appreciate that you've been putting your towels into the hamper." Is oh, there metaphorical, any, metaphorical sandwich. I gave her a metaphorical metaphor sandwich. The meat was okay. the metaphor. Got it. And the the analogy is the bread. Mm-hmm. And so I said, um, my sister, I says, uh, I really pre- just want you to know. I noticed and appreciate that you're putting your towels into the hamper because she uses two towels every night. Mm-hmm. She's a two towel person. And I said, I really appreciate that. Is there a chance you might want to hang, be able to help us by hanging those up? Also, I really appreciate you putting those in the hamper. <laughs> mm, I don't think you can use the same <laughs> bread twice. Face. It's an open face poop sandwich. <laughs> Uh, it's point of information here. Yes, you there. Two, two towels. I understand that. I have two towel people in my home as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes three. Mm-hmm. Um, after the towels are used, they go in the hamper. It's a huge improvement over where it was. When I was her age, I was still leaving them on the floor, much to my mother's consternation. She at least I'm, makes the effort when she goes and gets her jammy jams, she throws them into her hamper, which I appreciate. Now, I, as it happened last night, it, it fell to me to put the things in, in the laundry bag and I almost threw up. Well, why? Yeah. So why? Why do the towels go in the hamper? Because it's not the floor. That's true. I guess it's an improvement over the floor in terms of uh, tidiness and tripping over things, but it's not an improvement over the floor in terms of mold production. Well, I know that. You know that. But, right, are, but are so, you, when you're a child, are, you, you think like a child. You're thinking like John Syracuse. <laughs> are you? Are you in a? Uh, are, you, are you on a? single use towel schedule you use them once and then they go through the laundry i don't make the rules whose rule is that whose rule is that it's more of a custom hmm. than a, it's a it's a moray you think about putting those little paper signs in the bathroom that says <laughs> go green if you don't want us to wash your towels just hang them up uh-huh. Uh, we do not wash our towels after a single use we go at least a week with it before changing towels you know, after I uh, get out of the shower, where I've been soaping up, I mean, really, the towel should be getting cleaner each time. It's, that's the cleanest thing in the yeah, house. No, no. Well, see, here's the thing. Like, after you use a towel, it's wet. It needs to be hung up somewhere to dry. I know, I know that. I do so that. that I know that. by the next day, the same towel that is not ready for the laundry yet, it's like, like how much laundry must you do if you wash your towels every <sighs> single day? It's too much laundry. It's yeah. too much towel washing. Yeah. I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. I, I am a... Well, who uh, does? It's only a matter of time before we get your wife on this program. You no, realize. actually, you know what? I just checked, and that's never going to happen. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an unpaid facilitator. That, that I try to keep everybody happy. Doesn't seem to take very long. <laughs> I do a lot. I do a lot of... Uh, what you call background tasks. I just, wasn't your, wasn't uh-huh. your daughter on uh, a couple podcasts recently? She appeared extremely briefly at the beginning of a podcast once. Which, what was that, Roderick Online? I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know. Yes, yeah. yes. See? It's, it's going to happen. We're working our way up to it. Oh, about my wife? No, no, She'll no. She'll be working her way back to you, babe, with a burning love inside. Let me just double check. Yep, yeah. <laughs> no, it says right here, never. You, you might need to triple check. Okay. I'll put it in the doc. Uh, I don't, I don't make the rules. I don't make the mores. I don't even really make the donuts. I just, I. Do you do the towel laundry? That's the real question. Listen, I don't want to talk about my life. I already okay. had to put so many things back in place today, John. You, you just, I just discover things that are unplugged. I, hmm. I discover, oh, you know what? Spock, metaphorically? No, Spock lost his phaser today. I'm still dealing oh, no. with that. Oh yeah. You know the thing we don't talk about? 
Yeah. Spock's, mm, yes. Yeah. Spock's phaser is gone. Is this, the, is this like a 12 inch Spock? Eight inch Spock? I don't know. What kind of work does he do? No, I'm just saying, like, I know you got the big Cersei recently. Oh, yeah. I got a big Cersei from Alex, as it turns out. But um, no, this is a, um, it's a pretty good, I would say around an eight inch Spock. I can send it to you yeah. if you want to get one. How many points of articulation are we talking about here? Not that many. I mean, he's got hips and stuff. All right. Hips don't lie. He's a Vulcan. He can't lie with his hips. Mm-hmm. It causes him physical pain. Mm-hmm. CBD helps his whole family. And so the, um, so it's, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> did, did I just get a sometimes force? You get me, I get a force sometimes you come out of nowhere with that That's one. That's the first ever four-syllable laugh I've gotten out of you. <laughs> The mute with this big screen, the mute button is so far away. I love I can't, this. I, I love this. I can't so get much. to it in time. I'm, I'm re- the cursor's racing over there. I just can't get there. In time. It's a big, it's a big monitor, Merlin. It's very large. It's yeah. Expansive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't have my tracking speed nailed down yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you really have to adjust everything in your life to accommodate the girth. I know. I know. You're way past preparing the way. We'll, 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 uh, we'll get Jim to cut that out. Um, we'll have your usually laconic dearth of reaction. Now, I got to get one of those mute, mitches, mute switches that doesn't mute so that people yeah. can hear the laugh, but only if they crank up the gain Whoa. and then the next thing yeah. that somebody says, you should get blow comes out. Yeah, mine, mine definitely doesn't work. Um, yeah. they, should, they should get a mute switch that when you activate it, it just plays audio, very faint audio of farts. Oh, yeah. Like every time you activate it. Would I hear it. that or would the other, would the audience hear That's that? That's uh, steganography, all right? Is that the thing where you study dinosaurs? That's close. Either I'm that or I'm mispronouncing it. I think of eschatology, no, study of the end times. No, no, no. Well, hang on. You're you're got to pop the stack here. Um, what we were talking about was your flying monkeys and how you service them. Steganography. Steganography. Yeah, I got it. Okay. The practice of concealing a file message or image or video within another file message, image or video. So in other words, the the mute switch it doesn't mute, but yeah, but plays constantly low level farting. Your own farts get mixed in with the produced farts. Do you understand? I think so. I think so. I, I'm a little confused about wh- which farts are mine and who will hear them in the mix. Hmm. But mostly Jim. Yeah, poor Jim. The um, isn't wasn't that a thing with Skype? People talked about where Skype was. <sighs> should help me out. Not actually muting. Well, but what? But, but, but isn't there a thing in communications? It's sort of like you and your uh, your automobiles that make fake noise. Like, isn't there a thing mm-hmm. where, like, there are some audio programs that, like, if it was actual silence, it would be confusing? And so that's, like, why they play uh, music. Room, room tone. Yeah, room but there's tone, another, yeah. yeah, but there's another thing where, like, yeah, yeah, if it was... It was like the telephone system that had induced uh, noise on it. If you had a digital telephone line and there was no noise, it sounded unnatural, so they played some noise. So you knew the difference between a live line yes. okay. that okay. no one was talking on and a dead phone. I do this really, really creepy thing. Where um, I have phone calls periodically. I like a phone call if it's a planned call. That is creepy. You're right. I do a phone call, and somebody will call me, and I say, uh, or I'll call them, and they'll say hello, and I say, uh, "Your phone's on AT." Ahoy, ahoy, ahoy. ahoy. I'll say, "Your phone's on AT and T," and they say, "What? Yes, <laughs> yes, gross. What? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in your base killing your dudes or whatever. Yeah, no, no. It's just mm-hmm. because when an AT and T phone, when coming through the rye, when these two phones connect up to each other, it's too." clear it's almost like motion smoothing for voice hmm, it's wow. really weird it sounds it's, so weird but you immediately a, can tell you're a telephone connoisseur i am i like it sometimes i really i really super like it unless it's an interview for a, a magazine or newspaper i like talking to people hmm. not reporters but people mm-hmm, all right mm-hmm. um so we were talking about the doc and we were talking about oh the towels 
I just bought more yeah. towels too. Um, yeah. yeah, you didn't want to talk about your life. I asked you who did the towel laundry. You didn't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about my life. No, I mean, I said too much. I said too much. No, no, I, I, I go around and I, you know, I a power putter. <sighs> I try to see like what needs to, you know, what to leave in, what to leave out, other things that need to be moved from one place to another. I walk around. I do those, the kind of like the robot hands that I do. I go in the room and I go, hmm, 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 hmm. and I scan like a, like I a can't tron. See, I, I can't see your hands. Oh, okay. Just like this with my arms. Like, hmm, 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 mm-hmm. can, you, can you describe that for me? Please? Oh, sure. Okay. Um, adventure time. Okay. So like when Lemon Grab uh, gets the, the So Spice and like walks out the, the window Yes. Kind of like that, like a real stiff kind of Adventure Time arm. Or like, no, really, just imagine them coming out of me like I'm a forklift at right. waist level, 90 degrees. Yep. You got and, the two fingers pointed? Uh, I've got thumbs up and mm-hmm. fingers out like a karate chop. Mm-hmm. And then right. I'm alternating like left kung, and kung right. Grip. 45 yeah. degrees, the arms move. And I'm scanning like a Tron or a, 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 a Cyclone, what are they called? You know, what are they called? Vipers? You know, those robots that so don't really have a plan. Yeah, about? they don't really have a plan. <laughs> Not no. really. Not well, really. The showrunners didn't, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like this one already. I like this one. So your monkeys come in, yell at Merlin about the towels, the sandwich. I, you know, I try to. So here's Ma, have, the, we, have we learned nothing from this program about the whole secret weird things, the, things I, that we've done? I've learned that, that you, you're Johnny Fibbs. You're Johnny Fibs. You you mm-hmm. come in and you fib and you've got a lot of really high-minded ideas. And then what we see, we see you and your nose is to the grindstone. You're very disappointed in everyone. What I'm trying, I'm being honest with you. I'm an open book. I'm just telling you honestly. <laughs> what, 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 am I, what am I fibbing about? You're Johnny Fibs. Because, you know, oh, yeah. no, what are you going to do? So you go to one of your two or three towel household people mm-hmm. and you, you, what, you go and you have like a, like a heart-to-heart about the towels. Uh, why? To try to keep them off the ground? I don't know. Do you leave a note? Like, how do you communicate to the person? Because what I'm getting from this is, it's probably your wife. I think she's, the th- I was first going to guess your daughter. I'm not. There's a lot of people in this house. It's a lie of omission. It's a fib of omission title. Is that, is that you, I think, if it was your daughter, you would happily throw her under the towel bus. I think the truth is the three towel person in John Fibbington's household is his lady friend, the scrapbooker, who doesn't mm-hmm. want to hang up her towels. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go out to dinner? Are you going to leave a note on the pizza? Like, how are you going to talk to her about her towel usage, John? If we were going to talk about my wife and towels, I will. you should know mm-hmm. that my wife likes nothing more than to take an item and stow it on top of another item. <laughs> so <laughs> hanging up her towels is for sure going to happen because can you imagine what you can do with a towel? You can put that over almost anything. Oh! <laughs> Like a, like a gym towel you just kind of toss over where it's not all spread out. Yeah, It's going to be spread out, but it's going to be draped on something. But, but like, a, like a disrespected flag. Now, we have places for all the towels. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> even the kids have places for their flags. towels okay. to go. Okay. All right. In theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot. It's no, a lot I, they have they got their studies. You know, yeah. they've got the, the YouTube. There's a lot going on in the, in the life of a youth yeah. today. Mostly YouTube. You're right. Mm-hmm. You, you got the big two. TikTok. Kind of reverse, TikTok. reverse order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, if we about the flying monkeys, you've learned nothing from this program, the secret where things people do. You think, oh, people are going to come and yell at me about the towels because I wash them every day. But for all we know, people are going to come and yell at me for washing the towels only once a week. Boo, John. We don't know. Boo. You got no baseline here. You know what I've learned, John? I've learned that everybody thinks something. It's true. It's really true. Sometimes they, they have the dignity to, to keep it to themselves, and then other times mm-hmm. they just got to put it all on the page. 
by which I mean my Twitter. But I, I'm lucky. I consider myself very fortunate in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But I do what I can. And anyway, I had to put the towels. And, and the thing is, so I'm talking here about really like six towels. So the further I got down into the canister uh, of, of the, the laundry, the deeper I got into the heart of darkness. And then by there the bottom- six, There were six towels in that hamper? There are six towels. And then at the bottom, I go, Because oh. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty nasty and from the weekend. How, all right. And if you just had like back of the envelope here, mm -hmm. how many adult size full-fledged bath towels do you use, does your family own? A lot. <laughs> Is it less than 100? Well, you mean that like you want like an order of magnitude? Could you run a hotel? Like, yeah, that's what I'm getting Oh, yeah, at I could run a hotel. You, it wouldn't be nice. It wouldn't be a nice hotel. Three, We'd three always be out of milk because no one tells me we're out of milk. I'd have to take three. care of that and figure that out. I just bought 10 more towels. I bought, I bought 10 more towels yesterday. And the old ones are going to be used for all the kinds of things you wouldn't want to have on a body towel. Right, but no, but you got... Where do you have a separate uh, apartment for the towels? Mm -hmm. It's like, called a mother. They, where, do, where do they go? <laughs> what do they do? Is, is it like is it like uh, the reverse of the of the the, the podcast mattress <laughs> where you can compress them into a very small space? <laughs> it uses a kind of quantum mechanics. I have mm -hmm. cork towels. No, no, no. Um, we have a uh, linen closet in uh, our hallway. <laughs> Is it a walk-in closet? <laughs> I mean, if you're small enough, everything's a walk-in closet. No, no, no. And uh, we usually have it on two shelves there. I, I'm a big fan of dish towels. I like to use dish towels. Mm -hmm. And so there's some dish towels. Do you every day, too? That's too much laundry. Here's, just what I, too much. Here's, what, here's what I try to do. If I get there early enough. So sometimes I get in front of this. And I'm the one who says, I said, you want jammy jams? I'll go get you jammy jams. And I'll bring her uh, either a full set of jammy jams, a mixed set of jammy jams. Or I'll bring her her bottoms in like one of my big shirts because she likes to wear my big shirts, mm -hmm. including the ATP shirt. She doesn't mm -hmm. wear the hypercritical one because it's extremely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But all the other things, and then so what does that mean? That is an opening to me now. I can get those towels before they go into the canister and, and cause, cause the barfy smell. How do, you, how do you get them? Well, I mean, if I remember, I mean, I have a lot to remember as it is. As mm -hmm. we'll see in a minute in my Minai topic, my life is an ongoing rally. I don't know if I'm using the right word for that, but like it really is I'm constantly threading a needle. And in this case, I have to find the right opportunity to know when to look for the towels and where. A lot of times they're just on the floor in the, uh, in the lounge. But then sometimes they've made it all the way to her bedroom and they're in the stinky canister. Hmm. And so, I, you know, I, I do what I can as available, but, you know, who knows what other bits I'm going to drop. Tonight, I have to remember to go to the litter robot that the cat is not using, and at exactly 9.30, remember to hit a button. I didn't even think about this. This My life is such a goddamn rally. I, I have to remember to go and hit a button so that it now knows when to start an eight-hour don't-turn-the-poop-thing cycle. Oh, by the way, did I mention the cat's not even using it? We've picked her up and put her into it twice. And apart from that, she just pees and poops all over the house now. She doesn't even go on the piddle pad anymore because there's no you piddle pad. This cat, like in in most sort of like, uh, like adult comedies, mm -hmm. uh, there is always some kind of B plot about some dysfunctional thing in the lives of the main characters that just threads through the whole movie <laughs> and is just it's ridiculous the whole <laughs> the time. Cat but it's is not the, the B plot. But it's yeah, but it's not the focus of the movie. Like there's <laughs> no, no, a story. I and, yeah, I, I totally get it. But and the B plot is you've got this this terrible creature in your home. Uh, now you've got two of them with the lizard, and it's well, it's not functioning correctly. 
but there's nothing you can do about it. But still, like, like getting the robot is like the sort of the halfway point of the movie where like, oh, that B-plot comes back again. And you're like, look, I got a robot. And then they show the cat just mm-hmm. pissing next to the robot. And then the story continues. But it's always there. Like, it doesn't get better. Money is spent. Time is spent. Yeah. The cat doesn't get any happier. Well, Nothing I've got, I've is got successful. Support, I've got support messages in right now. Um, I've reset, <laughs> I've reset the entire, I re with the cat. I have, yes, yes. I had to go to my cat's Zen desk. Can you call, is there someone you can call about that and say, <laughs> my cat is not functioning correctly? Wow. <laughs> Just once. <laughs> Just And so, um, um, so where we are with this right now is that we have this very fancy, costly robot for, mm-hmm. uh, which is very, very clever for doing things with her peas and poops. Um, and well, so where, where her pee and poops could theoretically be. Well, we seeded it with some of her small bits of her <laughs> previous pee and poop. You seed it a little bit. It can't smell so bad that she won't want to go the in there. The dog that pooped you. Yeah, it has to be clear that if she climbs this step and goes into this death machine, <laughs> which looks like a giant glo- globe robot vulva, that if she can crawl into that thing, she will eventually discover that she can make a tink- tinkle and a toodle in there. So, She's already we, discovered she can make a tinkling tutor wherever the hell she wants. <laughs> well, that's what I'm dealing with. And you wonder why the towels don't get picked up. It's because I'm chasing down toodles <laughs> and trying to find Spock's laser beam. <laughs> yeah, is I'm the, running around the house like, a, is, like Mike the Chicken trying to find out where the peas and poops are. And then I still got to remember when I get done with John Syracuse abusing me for two hours, then I get home and I have to remember. And the thing is, I'll be in DND at the time. So I said to my lady friend, I says, remind me when I get home to hit the button on the litter robot she's not using so that it doesn't wake anybody up overnight is siri your lady friend or like your little lady friend (laughs) my bride Uh uh-huh um uh, but here's the other thing um first of all don't say that about the lizard he's a sweet precious boy uh Mm -hmm. funny thing with the cat she's really overdue for a trimming i hope i hope somebody doesn't call cat protective services she, well, you're um, doing the best you can here i have a lot going on john i don't i don't even Mm -hmm. have a job and i'm exhausted you would not you have no idea so is the piddle pad perimeter expanding? I've heard that you're putting piddle pads around the thing I'm wondering. This is what brought us to the litter litter robot three mm-hmm. with, with built-in connect. Right. Right? We were, we're in reception of that. It's set up, and I've reset the entire thing three different times because everything has to be exactly right, or you know, uh, Rube Goldberg falls off his mousetrap. So anyway, that's all but here's the thing. So you have to like we had a, we had a family meeting about this. Was the cat there? Um, no, we made sure she was in another room. So when we have okay. a family meeting, uh, I play Markle. And so and so uh, somebody says, family meeting. And I say, stand by. And then we all gather together by the steps. And we, and we have a family meeting. And the family meeting was, I said, I think it's very important that we stay positive about this. That we try not to negatively... Inf- <laughs> don't, don't point fingers, but someone's been pissing on the carpet. <laughs> I'm going to find out who made this raisinette. Who made raisinets under Spock's pistol? <laughs> could have been anybody, it but could have fit anyone. Could have fit into the area between the panda can and where Spock's laser beam should have fallen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I did find a raisinette down there, and uh, I picked it up like a, like a freshman's pube uh, with a little Kleenex and, and took it right into uh, the. Uh, in that case, I brought it to my personal waste paper basket. Three, three quarters of the way through the movie. Your uh, kind of cruel, practical jokester friend is uh, one silent scene with no dialogue where you see him uh, sneak into your place, 
reached into his pocket, take out a handful of raisinets, and scatter them all over your quote unquote lounge, and then leave. That's the whole scene. That's three quarters. Kramer. <clears throat> so, um, okay. So there's all of that, and that's the thing we're dealing with. And so I said, I think it's important that we be positive about this. I said, my suggestion here, I think we need to give positive reinforcement, if that's the right term, for getting her, encouraging her to discover the litter robot. Discover your desks. Discover your desks, children. Um, RDRR. And so, like, the, 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 uh, the idea is to, like, make it seem like it's her idea. Like, you know, it's like with mm-hmm. people, right? And so, mm-hmm. and so you do things like, <laughs> one thing you do is you put a treat that they like inside the box and on the step. And you try to get it to, like, go explore. Like, wow, treats. And so there's that. Now, the other thing is, like, I, I said during the family meeting, stand by. I said, I said, look, I think we don't want to traumatize her. So we don't need to, we don't want to, like, make her feel bad about this. I'll just keep cleaning up the pee and poo like I always do. And uh, I said, what I will do is when she's gone in a, in a you know, non-standard place, pss, pss, I'll, I'll give a little couple spritzes of the, of the stay away. You know, like the no-no can, but you, pss, pss, you spray that stuff. And supposedly that'll make her not want to use that again. <clears throat> so uh, anyways, uh, so for the longest time, we, we uh, and you know, I get a lot of notes from everybody. And, uh, and one note, so I'd sent a picture of the litter robot and her litter box. My initial plan was I put her litter box and the piddle pad, a fresh piddle pad with a fresh litter box in front of the litter robot, thinking maybe I could trick her into walking a little <laughs> bit further in Tatooine and, and walking into Mos Eisley, you know, yeah. across the sand. She likes to, she likes to pee in front of the robot. So if you put the litter box in front of the robot. I mean, cats have a natural, a nascent sense of uh, symmetry. So I, I, and then, and then, so then I moved it off to the side and I sent a photo to Alexandra and Max. And I said, look at what I, I can't believe what I've become because now there's this whole facility in front of our fireplace. That's all about the, the cat's leavings and where she will or won't leave them. And Alexandra yelled at me and said, you can't put it there. She's just going to keep using the box. And I said, well, the, the site you said keep, that you... Keep using the box? She's not <laughs> using the box, though. Well, this is... Keep... That was then. This is now. So this is a few days ago. And so finally, so we agreed. Family meeting, stand by. I said, look, today's the day. Monday's the day. I said, I'm going to... Was it Monday or Sunday? I said, I'm going to I'm gonna retire her box and the piddle pad. I'll seed a little bit of her previous leavings into the new thing, run a cycle. Maybe that'll get the musk on it in a way that she'll find attractive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so now we're rid of the box. And now my day is spent walking around the house trying to find out where she's peeing and pooping because she's not peeing and pooping very much. But she is still not really... Last night, uh, she, my wife put her in the box and she peed just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we we're all very excited about that. It's almost like the time she got out from under the bed after three weeks. It was a really big deal. But... In the time before, and this is where I worry about cat protective services. I don't know if you've noticed, but she's very hairy. Mm-hmm. And things get trapped in her hairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, someday, sometimes she gets a little, she gets poop on her boots. And then yeah. we got to figure out how to get that off. And she'll walk around like that. We got to figure out how to get the, get the poop off her boots. And she just says, can I help you with that, please? You know, can I just, can I just, like, like a surgeon's assistant, can I just shave this part of you to get all of that off? And then maybe I could see that into the box and that'll become something that's desirable for her. You already got the lizard. You can get a dung beetle. The lizard dung is beetle such a sweet boy. Take the poop and then the lizard read the dung beetle and then. Oh, it's the old lady who swallowed a fly. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Our next step should be, speaking of Flophouse, our next step should be to just get a, get a Baba Yaga. Walk around on the chicken legs, <laughs> looking for peas and poops. It's kind of like a Roomba. This but one's she... actually a raisinette. <laughs> wow. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Health IQ. You can learn more about Health IQ right now by visiting healthiq.com slash Diffs. At some point in the last couple of years, you've probably created or maintained a healthy habit. Maybe that's getting more sleep, working out, or just trying to eat the right foods. If you live a healthy lifestyle, you could be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates. And you could save up to 41%. Just go, you take the Health IQ quiz and they'll walk you through the entire process of applying. Policies underwritten by one of their top insurance partners, and there will be a real person at the end of the phone who you can chat with. The savings are exclusive to Health IQ, so you won't find them anywhere else, but you do need to qualify to get that special rate. So listen, to see if you qualify, you go to healthiq.com slash diffs and take their proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Once again, that's healthiq.com slash diffs. Let them know we sent you. You can start that process with the Health IQ Quiz. There's no commitment, and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, healthiq.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Health IQ for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, Um, I added some things. Uh, we, we'll go wherever you want. We don't have any follow-up, it looks like. Uh, we, I've got, uh, bah, bah, we could skip the window management, but well, I've got some, uh, some Minai topics. We're I not would... skipping the window management. Well, you have strong feelings about that. I didn't want to provoke you. No, we'll get to it. Let's go, let's go through the, the, uh, anime stuff first. That's been in there for a while. It's worth talking about. Yeah, briefly. yeah. A famous thing that's been happening for a long time, uh, very frustratingly, is that, Studio, uh, studio, uh, Ghibli stuff. You, you have to wait and think of it to intentionally say it wrong. You can't even do it. Am I saying that uh, wrong? Studio? Yeah. He loves it. to no, smoke. But he you just loves to smoke. You have the wind up. You like, you know how, you know the right way to say it now. Right. It's so ingrained that you need to actually back up a step and say it the wrong way. Does he really need to smoke that much? <sighs> studio Ghibli has been, uh, difficult, uh, in some ways to get for a long time. It was not available on streaming services, including like country rolls and whatnot. Um, I personally had, I got the, uh, a really, really, I had no idea what a screaming deal I got on those, uh, Blu-rays. They had a Blu-ray box of a ton of, uh, Miyazaki movies. I don't know if they were all, all the Studio Ghibli movies, but they were all the good Miyazakis for the longest time. You know, they had the relationship with Disney and Disney has the relationship with Apple. We've all been saying, what's going on? We're Studio Ghibli. Why can't I get this? And why can't I buy this or stream this or whatever? And, uh, you had some updates for us. First update is that despite uh, you saying it wrong 20 times, it's Studio Ghibli, which I know is... That's what really, I said. It's Studio. It sound, sounds wrong, but mm-hmm. that's how they say it. Well, anyway. Maybe, maybe it's actually um, right then. Yeah. Over the past few weeks, many people have been contacting us and saying, hey, do you know that the Studio Ghibli movies are going to be available for streaming, including on the iTunes store? Um, yeah, I do know that. Uh, it's I, I wasn't particularly like aching for them to come out for my purposes because I already own them all on Blu-ray. In fact, many of them I own twice on Blu-ray because when they went over to G-Kids, they did, you know, better subtitles on them or whatever. Better than the Disney versions? Yeah. Um, anyway, I have I have these movies m- multiple times over on plastic discs, so I don't need them. But 
I think it's great because very often, you know, I'm always preaching that these movies are great and saying, oh, you should, if you like animation at all and you haven't seen these, you're in for a treat. You might like them. And then people go, great. How do I see them? It's like, oh, you got to buy a plastic disc. And like, what do I do with a plastic disc? I don't have anything to put it into, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a, as I say, a big ask as opposed to like, I can just say to somebody, go watch Predestination and they're watching it in a few minutes. Exactly. So that, this is, you know, it's a, it's not unexpected. Like it's only so long they can hold out and, but the whole multiple retirements and how is the, the company going to make money and everybody getting laid off and going to other companies and they have all this intellectual property and everyone's getting old. And it's like at a certain point, of course, they're going to, you know, put these things up so more people can buy them. What a novel idea. That, that there's something that's in high demand. And then you would make that available for sale as a, as a company that sells media. Yeah. And the quality, idea. like, can, you know, I can understand the hesitation to do it if, you know, if the quality wasn't up to snuff, but everything, you know, everything's 4K now and they can get the bit rates they need to present their, you know, animation the way it's meant to be shown. Even the Apple TV does frame rate matching now. And so in theory, everything should be great. That said, I haven't actually watched any of these because they are, you know, like 20 bucks each and I already bought them all twice. Uh, so I'm not inclined to buy them a third time in an inferior format because I'm assuming the Blu-rays have still have better quality and higher bit rate than the streaming does. But as far as I can tell, they, you know, people are asking, somebody said, oh, it's only English. They don't have the Japanese, but I don't think that's true. Like it's listed in the extras. Like I'm looking at Kiki's delivery service now. It says original Japanese language version with English subtitles is one of the extras. So why would you okay. take out the Japanese language part? That's weird. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I most people who watch them, who buy them in the the U.S. iTunes store, of course, are probably just going to want them in English, I suppose. So that's like the default. But it seems like mm-hmm. the original audio uh, is available for the bargain price, twenty bucks. I still say, if you think there's any chance you're going to like these movies, and you actually happen to have a Blu-ray player, buy the Blu-ray. It's like mm-hmm. the same price and the quality is higher. And if you want a digital version, it looks so good. You really notice it on you Spirited Away, Ponyo, really even Porco Rosso. But like I, I, with Ponyo and the water stuff, it's just, it's night and day. The difference on like coming off a disc or especially coming off Blu, uh, Blu-ray. I, I think it just looks extraordinary. Lots of uh, very fast motion of high contrast items, you know, animation drawings. Tiny, tiny underwater fish make a lot of artifacts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, once you have the Blu-ray, if you're vaguely technically inclined, you can make a digital version so you don't have to fish out the disc. And mm-hmm. you can choose what quality you find acceptable or just take it straight off the disc with no quality loss if you've got 50 gigs or so to spare. Mm-hmm. So you have I want a lot that. I want that Jason, Jason Snell ripper. It looks like you got to go, like, through a forum or something. But, like, it sounds like that's gotten all gotten so much better. Like, is automatically, like, integrated with Make MKV? I haven't seen that. No, I don't. Like, if I ever take anything off of a Blu-ray for a digital version, if I have it on Blu-ray, it probably means I care enough about it that I really want max quality. So if I do take it off the Blu-ray, I don't do anything to it. I just take the bits off. So you just do straight hand break? No, that's, uh, make MKV. We'll just oh, take, so, the, okay, bits okay, off, take the bits MKV. off the okay. disc and put it in a, in a Matryoshka or whatever file format. You do an MKV, though, not an ISO. Yeah, so it's so it's, yeah. Yeah, because ISOs, there's still no way for ISO to work in Plex, right? I assume so. I don't know. Uh, I, never I, I, never, I don't even run across those in my travels. But yeah, you just pull the Me bits either. off there. It's like 50 gigs or whatever the heck it is. Uh, and that's it. No transcoding, mm-hmm. no translation, no nothing. It is just a, a more convenient way to see the stuff that was on the plastic disc, assuming you can get it played back correctly, which is sometimes a little bit tricky. But uh, 
Yeah, I actually use the plastic discs. But for everybody else who's not, uh, who doesn't have anything that can play Blu-rays, who doesn't want to bother with them, you have many more options. And this, what this means is there's lots of people out there who have not seen these movies. These are movies from the 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. 2000s. These are old movies, old movies, for all, mm-hmm. but many people have never seen them because if you're not I haven't seen animation. all of them. I mean, I think a lot of folks, I'm guessing, have seen Totoro and Spirited Away, um, maybe even Mononoke, because those were all ones that got a lot of attention for the kind of movie they are. But again, a movie like Porco Rosso is 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 really, really good. And really, it's just, it's beautifully done. Um, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, I, I don't know how I got such a screaming deal. Um, yeah, you know, the ripping thing. Wow, it's a lot of work. It's It can be a lot of work. And you know what I did, man? I, I said this on Back to Work, but I bought a Sony 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray player. It was 200 bucks, mm-hmm. And I mean, the biggest pain in the butt is it does take up a little bit of space, but brother, do those things ever look good. I mean, when you watch something like like uh, Dunkirk or like there's just, there's just, not all of them are worth buying the movie for, but they're, they're less costly. 200 bucks. I mean, that's what a VCR cost when I was in college. And the movies themselves are not super costly, especially if you buy like the Mission Impossible like set, yeah. for example. Like they're shockingly inexpensive as against even what you pay on the iTunes store. And they, I mean, I don't want to oversell it, but especially like I've got a fifty-five inch, but if you've got a sixty-six or whatever a big TV, like you're you're they look really really good and they sound great. If you got the sound for it, it sounds great too. Yeah, so I'd encourage everybody, like, and I think I think you're more optimistic than I am about the people who've heard of these things. I think the only things people have heard of are Mononoke's. That's when they made a big push for it. Spirited Away, because it was, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, a big Oscar thing. Yeah. And probably that's about it if people, if people heard of Totoro. Totoro's the icon, the, yeah. Right, they heard of him and would recognize him if they saw him, but probably haven't seen the movie. But there's so much more there. So I encourage you, God, I, I, I can't even recommend the iTunes store. Before the show, I went to... I was like, how do you how do you go to the iTunes store now that I'm on Catalina and they don't have, you know, iTunes is not one of monolithic apps. So I launched the <laughs> TV app and there's a tab for movies. <laughs> and I typed into Apple's convenient search field and I typed Studio Ghibli, yeah. spelled correctly. No, first I typed Ghibli, nothing. Then I typed Studio Ghibli, nothing. I'm like, okay, great search, people. Then I typed Kiki and it auto-completed the Kiki's delivery service. Pull up the Kiki's delivery service page all ready to scroll down to find a piece of text that says Studio Ghibli and click on it to go to the page where surely they show all the Studio Ghibli things. It's not like, it says Studio, it says this, like, I think, let me see. I bet, I bet if you search for Miyazaki, you'd have better luck. Yeah, if there's a Studio Ghibli six film collection that I can click on and it shows mm-hmm. tiny little things, but there's if there's, a, if there's a Studio Ghibli landing page, I've not, I was not able to find it in a bunch of obvious searches. So Apple's store search continues to suck. Okay, I, I'm going to take one for the team. I think you should tell me um, what would it be easiest for me to com- which movie watching buying and watching which movie would give me the easiest thing to say to you to find out whether it's the right thing. Like so, I mean, I've got them all already. But like, should I get like? Is there one that you feel like you know, like you say with the uh, restorations, how like Empire Strikes Back actually you know, didn't get damaged nearly as bad as uh, A New Hope. Like, is there one where you think it's particularly egregious where, or particularly good for that matter, where I could give you some examples or maybe shoot a short movie and you could tell me if it's the right one? They're all, the, like, there is no, uh, uh, with the exception of Warriors of the Wind, which was this terrible hack job they did on, on Nausicaa, um, they're all the same. Like, there are no different cuts or different anything like that. The subtitles are where they vary because there's, 
room for interpretation of how you want to write English text that corresponds to what they're saying in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, a, and then there's just the, the bit rate and the quality of it. So if you wanted to get one to compare, I would say if you have like Ponyo on Blu-ray and you really notice the difference in terms of like the fast action scenes with waves and stuff, mm-hmm. get that one on iTunes and just play it at 4K and see, does it look horrendous? Does it look, you mm-hmm, know, do mm-hmm. A-B test it with the Blu-ray and see, oh, the Blu-ray is 10 times better or it's acceptable? Because that's, I feel like that's the real test. I'm pretty confident they all have the Japanese audio if they list it on the thing. The other thing I'd be interested in is, is since it shows as an extra, I'm assuming the video is the same, but you never know. Remember on DVDs, they'd give you like, mm-hmm. like the, uh, no hope. the, the gout thing for Star Wars, yeah, George's, yeah. uh, uh, unmodified original trilogy, whatever, uh, was a special feature on a DVD and they jammed the movies into the, like the remaining space on one of the discs and, yeah. and they were terribly over compressed and it was just gross. And so I hope that's not true of the ones with the actual original audio i hope they're the video quality is exactly the same and the only difference is that you hear different sounds and see subtitles okay so with the proviso that i am on what's the old one um mojave yeah so with the proviso that i'm on mojave and looking at this on itunes and i'm pretty sure you can't get 4k on mojave uh it's saying here the size is available are 1080p and sd where do you see? Well, I'm on, that? again. This is iTunes on Mojave, so I, I'm oh, not yeah. looking on my. I'm not on my. But okay, so but here's the thing. So what I'm seeing here is, um, interestingly enough, iTunes Extra, original Japanese language version with English subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, that's Kiki. I'll try. I'll try. Um, I'll try Ponyo. I'll buy that tonight. Yeah, it might just be 1080. I don't know if there. I mean, I don't have a 4K TV, so I don't have any 4K anything. Um, but all my Blu-rays are 1080 and I'm such a size queen now. I just, I really, I just, and I'm the only one in my house who notices or cares. And I seem like a weirdo. I'm like you with you and your daughter hearing the power supplies. I'm the Mm. only one. I'm like, do you notice the difference? And, and my daughter will turn to me and she'll make fun of me so bad. She'll go crisp. I'm like, stop it. Because one time, (laughs) one time I said, look at this, look how crisp that is. So last night we watched Iron Man in, um, 4k. She goes crisp. Go hang up your towel, idiot. Um, Ponyo, original Japanese language with subtitles. Okay, um, I'm putting that on my homework list. Um, so, can I ask a question? You can see here that I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, sweet, Merlin's homework by Ponyo. Um, so, cool thing in, in Plex, I think this is without respect to extra plugins and bundles, of which there are many that are interesting, but I think I want to say natively built in as an agent on Plex. I'm sorry if this sounds like gobbledygook um but there is uh when you're looking at a movie in plex and you're on the detail page you can say search subtitles and it'll show you you know different releases and um give you a sense of which it thinks is the subtitles that you want so you know what i'm talking about first of all mm-hmm. okay yeah. so you found what appears to be the subtitles that you want and let's say for the sake of argument they are the subtitles you want and then i click it and i say okay get me those subtitles which I would think of as being like an SRT or a whatever. Um, but nothing gets added to the folder and it does not appear to, m- is it all happening in the Plex software? It's not actually changing anything about the movie or adding files to the disc. It's just remembering which subtitles to associate with it at runtime. Yeah. I've been curious about that as well. Cause I, I've done that the same thing where yeah, like, you, know, I'll have you, something... drag, you drag your stuff from one place to the other and there's nothing else in there. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like I bet it's like got... posters. I bet it's posters, like posters and metadata where it's just that instance of Plex in the software. Well, actually that with the art though, I think 
It is downloading it. No, the art doesn't go in the same folder as the videos unless it's in some dot file directory. But I mean, it is downloading the art is what I'm saying. Like if I if I move... Yeah, yeah. I'm, su- I'm assuming it's off to the side in some, you know, I don't know where the Plex keeps its metadata. I think you can specify a different place for that to be. It's in a, it's in a library. No, it's in a library folder. But like I use a... Um, ugh, this is so on Merlin's poop list. But I use this, so I won't even mention what it's called. But I have a metadata finding app that's really Jurassic. And that, um, to its credit or detriment creates a .nfo um that even if you change it it doesn't always change the .nfo but that pulls down that's where a lot of the metadata per uh movie or tv show gets recorded but then yeah i think i bet it's in like a slash i know where it is and i can't think but on synology it's in like um i'm sorry this has suddenly become extremely esoteric you answered my question thank you <sighs> i'm looking at i'm looking at the ponyo page and mm-hmm. they, one thing that that apple's terrible tv app does show is a bunch of pictures of the cast mm-hmm. and it's like the 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 you know english language dubbing cast basically oh really yeah and the uh i looked at a, an actor and i'm like that face looks familiar I look at the name noah cyrus and i looked down at the role hmm. so she voiced ponyo i'm like noah cyrus is that miley cyrus's sister I go to her Wikipedia page. Her parents are Billy Ray Cyrus <gasps> and Tish Cyrus. Well, there you go. That's uh, that would be yeah, a sister, sister, sister of Miley. Miley Cyrus. Yep. And speaking of Markle, uh, Markle is uh, what's his name from that one movie? The kid who plays Markle in uh, How is uh, let's see, is that Peta? I want to say it's Peta in uh, Hunger Games, but I could mm, be wrong. Yeah. Howl's Moving Castle. I like how I you know. I'm surprised there aren't more people that really like Howl's Moving Castle. I think it's a really good movie. It's a weird one. It's Were you weird. On the, you were on the Incomparable about it? I forget. I don't remember. Okay, here we go. Yes. Oh, here we go. On Howl's Moving Castle, I'm seeing cast and crew Christian Bale, Emily Mortimer, Jenna Malone, and Josh Hutcherson, otherwise known as Peter. Interesting. But again, iTunes Extra. Now, if I get the iTunes Extra, is that going to be a gout? Is that going to be like a weirdo? Yeah, you can check it out. I think Noah Cyrus as Ponyo. How many lines does Ponyo have in this film? Ponyo loves ham. Does I don't see Tina Fey mentioned, though. That's weird. No, she's the third one here. It's uh, Kate Blanchett gets top billing, which she's the sea queen. Oh, you're you're in Ponyo. Okay, hang on. Let me go back to Ponyo. Kate Blanchett, Matt Damon, Tina Fey. Noah Cyrus gets billing right after Tina Fey. Mm. Frankie Jonas is the little boy. Lily Tomlin, of course, is Toki. Uh, Cloris Leachman White at the end is, is Betty the, White? the cranky old is lady. Is Betty White one of the old ladies? No, uh, I don't know. Hmm. Cloris Leachman, Lily Tomlin. Oh, might be what I'm thinking of. I love the old ladies. Yeah. That's such a sweet movie. And of course, Liam Neeson is the <laughs> father guy. I told you, I told you that when whenever her friend Nora comes over for sleepovers, they, they always watch a Pixar movie. I told you this. And they always... For each movie, they go through and say which person needs way more drugs and which person needs way fewer drugs. And we have all agreed by by assent that Ponya's father, whatever, he definitely needs the greatest adjustment to his medication. <laughs> his eyes, man. His eyes freak me out. Um, he's got a lot of responsibility. It's a busy he's got a lot of mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. He's got all those vials, those un- uh, underwater vials. Um, and I'm sending this to John Sarkiso. Will this send? That's what I see in iTunes. I don't know if you'll get that. Um, okay. 
closing the bug. I will get uh, the movie Ponyo and report back. That's exciting, though. Um, I agree with you. I agree with you because, like, and again, I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to stay caught up in terms of thinking about how how other people think. And, uh, you know, for somebody like a Mike Hurley who, like, watches TV on a laptop like a monster, like, you know, how are you going to watch this? You know, I mean, how how are you going to do it? Have to go pull out an old, you know, MacBook Pro and <laughs> stick it in the DVD drive, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's, it's sad that the iTunes page that you just sent me has more information than the newfangled TV app. You're in TV, not movies. I mean, the app is called TV. Okay. Isn't there also one called Movies? Is there an app called Movies? I don't think so. Try it. Command Space. No, there's a folder called Movies. Hmm. All right. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog. Well, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades are ever needed. Don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. All of those award-winning templates beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. And you know what I love? They look great uh, on every device in Dingus, like right out of the box. You know, they used to be a whole racket trying to figure out how to make things good in more than one place. I'm so glad Squarespace is there to do it for me. And I use Squarespace for my personal sites. This is known. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the Roderick on the Line podcast is hosted there. Seriously, you can't go wrong with these folks. Uh, they're great to work with. Uh, crazy part is Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required. All you got to do is go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. And when you decide to sign up, use that very special offer code diffs, please, for both of us, because that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and it will show your support for John Syracuse. Once again, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Uh, I, this could be a good bridge to secret weird things, or it could just be a thing on its own. You know what? Let's skip that. And why don't we talk about Mac window management? If you want. Or we can sure. talk about whether I'm using Rally correctly. No, we can hit the Rally first. That's a quickie, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a bridge to my, well, first of all, my cat adventures, for sure. Mm. But I, I don't know. I think I'm using this wrong. And I tried to Google Rally versus race, and it's really hard. My understanding is that when you have an automobile race or a foot race, especially let's talk about automobiles. You have an automobile race, and the idea is to get to that checkered flag first. You want to, you wanna, it's a time-based, <laughs> it's parsecs. Now, it's how, how long does it take you to get to the end? Are you the first person to cross the finish line, accounting for all the things and the rules and the whatnots? And then I, in my head, I want to contrast that with the word rally. Is there a noun that is a contrast to race? Do I remember correctly that a rally is about trying to reach certain points at a certain time? That it's not just being the fastest, but like being the most accurate? Is that a thing? What am I thinking I, of? The reason I thought this would be quick is because I know nothing about this. So both of us is the blind leading the blind here, but I do oh, know how to Google. Yeah. So I Googled and looked at the Wikipedia page and it showed me, uh, and it's all, all the Europeans for, forgive us, rallies. by the way, uh, in America, we don't 
no or care about rally racing. We're sorry. Um, there's this thing called, amusingly, I think, a regularity rally, which maybe is a term that nobody ever uses, but uh, this is the Wikipedia page. Also called a time speed distance or TSD rally is a type of oh motor- you're talking about the TSD rallies yeah it's a type of motorsport rally oh you're talking about object- in Europe oh yeah the TSD rally sure 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 yeah. with the object of driving each segment of a course in a specified time at a specified average speed yes that must be what I'm thinking of now here's here's the thing this is a Wikipedia so like yeah, yeah. it's not maybe not the best edited thing or whatever Never but wrong. I, I, I I read this first sentence a lot of times to try to figure out if I was missing something you tell me. I'm not that great at math. Uh, if you have to drive each segment of a course at a specified time and a specified average speed, isn't time sufficient assuming the course length doesn't change? Because if the course is a certain length and you do it in a certain time, you've the average speed falls out of that. There's nothing you can do differently. No, it's the average that makes the speed important. No, 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 it doesn't. No. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Like, you got to get from point A to point B. You got to get this one mile. You're supposed to, like, so you start at this. There's a time that you leave, and I'm guessing it's staggered. That must be part of it. So you can't, like, you know, use other people as a guide, I'm guessing. Probably staggered. But, like, is the course the same the whole time? Like, are there multiple ways to go, or is there just one way to go? Oh, now we really are talking about the Kessel Run. Yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, the Kessel Run is a rally, right? If you're trying to do a course in a specified amount of time, then that's your only goal. You could stay stationary for the entire amount of time minus one second and do the whole course in but one that's, second. And that's not and your average, average speed. speed is still the same. Oh, do you understand I what average see. means? That's how average do. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, so I, I see I'm what you're saying. But anyway, what it sounds like is the regularity rally is assuming, and I can't, I'm just assuming this because I haven't read the entire page, but assuming that the course does not change you are supposed to do the course in a specified amount of time, which makes it seem like if you do it too fast, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Which yeah. I don't quite understand. Anyway, neither one of us understands rally. Well, it's sort of like the John John Mulaney and Pete Davidson bit about, you know, the mule and, and you know, and Clint Eastwood. I don't know if you ever saw that great SNL sketch, but um, the, um, but, but in this case, you're saying like, oh, we're going to give you, a, we're going to give you an award. You weren't the fastest. You didn't have the best average speed, but you had, you were most accurate. And th- a man your age driving accurately deserves a ribbon. They're looking for accurate driving. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like on, this page is not very, like, it comes from a page like, sometimes it's on public roads and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's street legal cars and sometimes it's not, but they're made for the road and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'd, anyway, it's a, it's a C-class article. Yeah. We don't know anything about rallying. But more importantly, uh, I would like to get at what you mean. When you say that, because you're asking, am I saying the right thing? Is, does this match what I mean? What you're, my impression of what you're trying to get across is that, in, that there's checkpoints in, in some activity where a bunch of stuff is going to happen, but at this time you need to be here to do this thing, and at this mm-hmm. time you need to be in the hatch entering the code, or otherwise something bad happens of unspecified severity, right? Mm-hmm. Like that there are places, there are fixed points in time. There we go. Let's get something we know about. There are fixed points in no, time. You're, 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 you're nailing it on all of these. I, I, I'm struggling to even add to that because I think you nailed it. Um, the um, So like, uh, there's a part of me that thinks it's, the, you can think of it in terms of project management. So back in the days when uh, we were cavemen and cave persons, cave they, and, and did uh, Gantt charts, part of a Gantt, well, a Gantt chart is to say like, well, here's how long we think this will take to do. But very importantly, at least in like waterfall project management um this is the earliest start date this is the earliest and latest start date 
based on what we know. This is the earliest and latest end date. Now, that all by itself, well, that's not a project. That's, that's a task and a guess. What makes it a project is that you have dependencies. And so this is where it gets so complicated. And like people said in the 90s, well, software is not building a bridge. So, But like, you know, in the, in the case of building a bridge, well, there's all these things have to be done before we get to go to this next part. And like the real like galaxy brain project managers are able to tease out um, either hidden dependencies or hidden delays, right? Because why? Well, okay. You think about you've you've dealt with contractors, and I, well, I wouldn't say they rob Peter to pay Paul, but there's a lot you need to get right when you're dealing with contractors, and the contractors need to get right when dealing with each other. So an example might be John wants a fancy new walkway. Okay, well we know that we can't invoice for the finished job until the job is done. We know that we can't really start the job until we've got an estimate and then a bunch of stuff happens in between that include things like maybe one day there's a rototiller or whatever it's called. Maybe there's a a piece of costly equipment that we're going to need after task number three is done, right? So we know we can't start task four, five, or six until task three is done. And the thing is, when we estimate when we're going to need that equipment, like that equipment you know, like they say, a printing press only makes money when it's running. And so like when you're doing things like running equipment or like hiring laborers, you don't want a bunch of laborers sitting around Howard Hughes style while you're waiting to find clouds that look like milk filled uh, breasts. You don't want people just sitting around. That's a waste of resources. And very few people other than Howard Hughes can afford that. And so in that case, and I'm referring here to the movie, The Aviator, which everyone should watch way of the future. But that's that uh, maybe that I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably making this less uh, understandable rather than more difficult or easy to understand. But I'm just trying to say, like, when you're in project management, you understand, like, you so understand dependencies. And you understand that, like, not only can we not start this part before these other things are done, but if we don't start this p- part at this certain point, then that causes not only further delays, but it can cause budget overruns because now the rototiller might have to sit there for three days while we're waiting for these guys, you know, to finish cleaning up the previous job or whatever. And that's what I'm talking about, except life, where like in like a, just a really, a, a really easy, salient example and why I'm one of the reasons, apart from my own madness, that I'm the way I am about the calendar. Because, because John, what, what do we know about me? What's the one thing you know about me? Calendar is the hard landscape. That's pretty good. That's pretty. Am I busy, John? Hey, time constrained. I'm time constrained. And what does that mean? That you means hard that to become so. Took a long time. A lot of privilege. And what's privilege if you don't use it? The thing I believe is that you schedule things on your calendar, you allow time in between the things to do the things, whether that's take a nap or drive or eat lunch or whatever the things are, and that when you've got that schedule in place, it's important to honor it. And your calendar, it's like an equals equals kind of thing. Like everything you need to do should be on your calendar and everything that's on your calendar should be something you need to do. So um, today I had back to work with friend of the show, Dan Benjamin this morning. And I know that starts at this point. It ends at this point. And I know my next fixed point in time is, uh, picking up my kid at three 30, right? I got a, I got a little bit of a crazy week. I've got a six event week that involves, I got, so I had two, let's see, I had Roderick yesterday. I got Dan and you today. I've got Dubai Friday and a show with Roderick tomorrow night. And then Thursday, I got Gruber for the talk show. Plus, I've got three pickups this week. And so that's not difficult. But the thing is, like, you know, if <laughs> if one of those podcasts doesn't happen until three hours after that, well, it's not going to happen because I got to go do the pickup. And that's that, that's when I, when I think of a rally. That's a, Can maybe, I put money on do my Friday? 
bets. No bets. <laughs> no, sorry, we're not going to take the bet on that. Um, and that's why, like, I, and for me, and I, the thing is, it's so easy for me to overthink these things. But, like, it, it gets to this My Secret Weird thing, which we teased out a little bit last week, and maybe we'll have time this week, but the um, eking out unnecessary efficiencies. So that's what made me think of a rally, and I want to know if I'm using the right word for that because I do think if if you're if if I'm being honest with myself, that's a lot of life. Another way to put it, like you say, is threading the needle. Here's one: like uh, for the longest time, we kept our garbage always with the garbage. We kept our garbage cans outside at the side of the house. Take them out whenever, bring them in whenever. Eventually, the city started leaving nasty grams to say. You know, not only are we going to give you a ticket if you put non-recyclables uh, in the recycles, but like you've got to have your, you're supposed to have your cans off the street by this time on the day of pickup. Uh, right for this guy, another one, got a letter from our very nice landlord, which was, hey, look, you know, just so you know, there's a, a lot that like your cans can't be visible from the street, which everybody's are. So you've got to find some place to put the cans and you can't put them out until this certain time. Now, this is not, again, by itself, none of this is difficult. It does make it a lot harder because now, in addition to the kill zone, now I also have to get into an alley and walk sideways like a crab, a crab with an Ikea bag, la, la, la. But what I'm trying to get at is, like, there is a needle to thread there, a, a, an admittedly large needle. But that needle is, I've got to gotta put out the trash at a certain time on one day, and then the next day I have to bring in the cans by a certain point. That is an impossibly easy task by itself. And honestly, the stakes are low. I'm not actually going to get thrown in the pokey for trash-related issues, I hope. But it does lead to these other kinds of things that you do have to think through on a needle-threading thing like this. So if somebody is late, for example, for the beginning of a podcast, and there's a delay, maybe there's an equipment problem. Did you account for an equipment problem? If there's an equipment problem... What are you going to do? Are you going to reschedule it and throw all that up in the air? Or are you going to like, you know, fix the thing and get back to it? You know, you see where I'm going with this. And then like, so if you've got, if you've got this thing that ends by this time and this thing that starts at this time, now your needle threading is getting a little bit tighter. Oh, did you also remember that you're supposed to do, uh, nobody told you, but there's a project that's due tomorrow or you forgot that or you, somebody forgot to tell you that you're supposed to bring cookies to a thing tomorrow. We don't have cookie things. We don't have, you know what I'm saying? Get my back on this. I'm talking a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't don't you think a, 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 I want a better word than rally? But I do feel like, as an adult who's trying to get by and even has some class from time to time, you have to acknowledge the the tile puzzle rallyness of life as a bulwark against madness. Now, too much of that, and you do become a legit over the top crazy person, become too bothered by stuff. But and you have to you know changes happen, things come along. But get my back. Do, do you see where I'm trying to go with this? Yeah, I was trying to think of an analogy based on something that I know anything about as opposed to rally, where I can't really give you any reassurances there. I thought maybe a relay race where you're handing the baton to yourself, but that doesn't work because in relay race, you, you don't have to do the handoffs at a specified time and it's really just minimum total time. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah, but, but, but yeah, like but what you're describing is just having a schedule and having a life like that's everyone's got to deal with that. It's just a question of exactly how mad it starts to drive you. How, how, can, how, how much like I, I'm picturing it in terms of stupid calendaring and outlook. I don't know if you ever had the pleasure of, uh, of <laughs> Disco of, discovering of, things on your calendar of organizing, yeah, organizing your life by staring at that one screen and outlook. Well, that's my life for five days a week. Cause um, you do looking, know meetings are a big part of your job now. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, five vertical stripes. 
right? Uh, with blocks in them. And you just look at it and you're just like, well, and there it is. Just blocks touching each other as far as the eye can see with these little gaps. And it's like, yeah. And, you know, defending by putting in little slivery blocks for like travel time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Between places that you have to defend, right? So nothing gets put in that block. And oh, so you're playing, you're playing like temporal chess. Yeah, no, you're for like sure. Moving, like you're moving I'm, your pawns out to just hopefully just, you know, protect your rook or whatever. And it's, uh, yeah, and it's it's like, uh, when you were talking about the, like, the, the Gantt charts and the scheduling, I, I, I wondered uh-huh. if you had ever had the pleasure of experiencing the uh, the successor to all of those, uh, I'm not going to call them fads, methodologies, let's say, um, for uh, for uh, us knowledge workers, the uh, Agile methodology. Mm-hmm. You had the pleasure of experiencing that? I don't exactly. I had a O'Reilly book on that. I don't 100% understand the distinction between XP and Agile, but I know a little bit about it. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's, is XP literally more extreme? Uh, no, that's out of favor now. Really? <gasps> that was all the stuff for a while. And then yeah. Ag- Agile came and swept it away. But really, I, I don't want to get into details, but it's, it's basically is all that the same Agile stuff. Is Agile more like, casual Friday? No, uh, maybe it really depends on how people implement it. Are you running unit tests right now on, on your stuff, John? Do you do you unit tests? There's a no true Scotsman thing to Agile because anytime you complain about it, they're like, well, you're not doing Agile right, which is probably true. But yeah, if nobody does it right, done. then what yep. kind of methodology yep, yep, is yep, it? Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, um, that's when you move your in, cards across the board yeah, and stuff, right? Yeah. The, the reality is still that this calendar exists and that, uh, you know, in keeping with the avoiding of bleeps, the poop rolls downhill. And it's like mm-hmm. when I'm scheduling something with people, like it's, the scheduling stuff is based on the org chart. So people above me in the org chart schedule stuff and they don't care what I have in there, right? So I right, end up with right, like right. I'm double and triple and quadruple booked and it's on me to roll <sighs> that poop further downhill God. by bumping the meetings organized by people who are my peers Which or subordinates your in the org chart, right? And so now you yeah. got to... Now I'm triple booked, and now it's got to be like, whose birthday party am I going to go to? Well, you're going to go to your bosses. That's the answer. But mm-hmm. then you got to reschedule the other ones, and then that shifts everything, and it's just these blocks just, you know, bumping into each other, cascading through the weeks. And then there, and that's all independent of this supposed Agile methodology and the various software tools that are used to organize what we're ostensibly doing. If, you know, like, depending on who you are, you, what you think you're doing is whatever your calendar says you're doing, but then there are people who are trying to do actual work in the holes in their calendar. And yeah. And that's just work. That's just, that's not life. That's just work. That's it's not, like it's, it's, that's not a, you know, whatever, that, uh, when skinny I, when you, when falling you off zoom a bike. Out, in, in theory, that's one block from nine to five in your life calendar, five days a week, but then everything else happens around that. And sometimes your life calendar has to invade your work calendar. You break that abstraction. It used to just be this block, but it's not because now you got to go to a parent teacher conference. Now you got to leave early to pick somebody up. Mm-hmm. Now you got to get in early, so you can't, you know, do lunches or see people off on the buses. Yeah, yeah. and I, I forgot to tell you that uh, the the track meet was relocated, and now it's further away than before. Dad, I'm going to a thing tonight, and I need to bring drinks. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, you're perilously close to my old wheelhouse, uh, and I'm, I'm I sympathize. Something I, I guess I got out of the project management racket right around the time that I was not only feeling relatively incompetent at how how well I was doing my job, but also I've been through this thing at the dot-com job anyway of like being the uh, so bad at so many things, John, but like I was really trying, John, help me out. What's the book from the nineties from the Microsoft press, uh, rapid development. Is that the one everybody was into for a while? Code complete. Code complete. That's it. Thank you. You helped me so much. 
I don't know if that's the right answer. No, it's no, just... no. That's absolutely right. And that guy did, I think he also did rapid development. Steve McConnell. Yes. Okay. This helps me so much. Yeah. I, I used to love these books and my boss and my .com job was a big fan of Code Complete. Um, so, but the thing was though, I was, I was really struggling to try and get, um, <laughs> as Steve Bannon would say, to, to get my hands on my tools. Rapid development. Yes. That's the guy. Rapid developments where he goes through and talks about all the different models and like why waterfall maybe isn't such a great thing. But I was still struggling to say like, hey, look, I've got this. Um, God, it wasn't it wasn't Microsoft Project. I had the one for Mac. Omniplan? No, no. Before that, it was very red and blue. Um, it's not now up to date. It was, but it was a name. I forget. Anyway, the point was, I thought, you know what? What I need to do is make a make a Gantt chart. And if I make a Gantt chart and share it with everybody, like we're going to have some, uh, as, as you would say, alignment mm -hmm. in, in what we're doing here. And I mean, I, you don't even need to hear the end of this story. You know how this goes. By the time the meeting was over, the Gantt chart was dead. And as you say, the people higher up the hill down which the poop flows were doing whatever they were going to do. And you're only, there is, there is an idea in project management in the, like the, the what's called the, uh, the, PMW or the PMJ, whatever the big project management book is, this idea of the charter, where like you go, okay, well, um, John Syracuse is the project manager on this, and we're signing off, we're kicking off the project with this project charter, and we're going to scroll out this big scroll that all, everybody in the C-suite signs and says, John Syracuse speaks for me, and therefore, Domini Domini, you go and you make the bridge, or whatever. And um, But, you know, that's BS, um, because the way an organization, a team, a company actually works is far more subtle and broken than being able to say, okay, everybody has to go pay attention to the project manager because that's not how it works. Even stuff as simple as how responsive people are, how much they can be uh, provoked, encouraged, persuaded to incentivize their team to align with what you're doing. It's just not how it works. I mean, what you've got is your own credibility. You've got your own credibility, your own track record at best. And the thing is, a Gantt chart that is constant is constantly like a dead parrot. Like I can keep updating this Gantt chart forever, but it's still it might as well be like a map of Mordor. Like it's meaningless. Like this is it's so and it was, but it was so much work. So it's, it's a trailing indicator. You're, all you're doing is updating yes. the reaction to what actually happens, and then what's the what's the purpose? Are you just a, the scribe who's recording history as it happens? Yeah, no, you're right. You're you're. I wish I was fighting the last war. I'm fighting like two wars ago. You're fighting any wars. You're just writing down what already happened. You come on the battlefield after the bodies are happening. all there. And you just count yeah, the bodies. Yeah. But, you know, but again, as with GTD, for example, I think getting into a little bit of project management, which I'm sure you've had to do over time, it, you do, you learn a bunch of stuff. You do learn a lot about people. But you, I mean, like when I first learned, there was a time in my life when I didn't know what a dependency was. And, um, and then I learned what a dependency was. And everything changed because I went, oh, that makes sense. The dependency means, I mean, in the simplest version of that, a dependency, at least to my mind, means we can't start this part of the project until we've completed this part of the project. But in reality, it's actually a lot more complex than that. And that's that's what, where the rally part or the whatever you want to call this part is. Um, so let me just give a real bitter dad example. If you find yourself on the side of the road late, importantly, because B, you're out of gas. How did you get to where you're late and out of gas? Well, one thing is, as we say, you chase two rabbits. You decided to drive fast and not take the time to pull over and get gas. 
So the thing is, if I, so I, you could be the person who's constantly crowing about how we should always have it, like my father would say, like always have at least half a tank of gas. Well, that's really boring. That's really boring. And yet when the car dies and you're now super mega late, what, what is your excuse for that? Well, your excuse for that was, is I tried really hard to encourage everybody to leave with enough time <laughs> to be able to get gas. And that's where we are now. So we kind of failed twice or more. And that, that, so to me, like a lot of this rally-ish conceptual stuff or like um, dependency-related stuff, that, that's where it comes down to. Um, you hire somebody like Dr. Dragon to come in and explain why the door blew off your airplane. Nobody ever planned for that, that thing to crack and break in this certain way. Nobody ever, you know, uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. You know what I mean? And it's like, I just feel like I feel slightly cursed in the way that I'm so organically hyper aware of these sorts of things. And, and it makes me, I think it makes me a less chill person and it doesn't really actually benefit me a lot of the time to be this way. I, I, sus- I have to suspect you feel at least a little bit that way. Yeah, you're in the wrong state. That's not that's not the California way at all, of my understanding anyway. Yeah. No, no, wrong, I, I just, but coast. you know, but like this, so would this be a good pivot to the uh, secret weird thing? Sure, yeah. Also, do you have other remarks? Please, please. You've been making software and dealing with people for a very long time. What what are your thoughts on this stuff? Oh, I don't have anything inspiring or original to say on this topic. It's too depressing. Maybe after I retire from the software world, I can complain about it more. But when you're in the middle of it, it's just like, like I was saying with the, the calendar, it just, it just seems like the thing that you do, like you do something long enough and I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. I feel like complaining about uh, software methodologies and uh, business practices is a young person's game. Like I did, mm-hmm. I did it a lot when I was a young person, and now it's just like I accept it as sort of a baseline level of noise that I have to deal with uh, and accept and part. Not Are you just talking about deal the with. flavor of the month stuff, or just in general, and part part yeah, everything. Just I have to I have to not just deal with it, but participate in it, be an active participant, mm-hmm. and like make essentially make the best of it. Like because I've done a bunch of different done it a bunch of different ways uh, i feel like now uh i understand that there's you know it's always the same thing underneath like it's it's the same endeavor like i you know software development is software development and the fundamentals haven't changed that much but it's dressed up in so many different ways and in the end it doesn't really matter you can just you know what needs to get done and you can participate in any kind of system that you know i think the higher you go in the org chart, the more I feel like people believe somewhere they have some, some part of them believes that these things that we're all doing are helping or helpful in some way. Mm-hmm. And the lower you go down, the more I think you have the realization that like, they're probably neutral. Like the mm-hmm. bad ones hurt, but the good ones don't really help. They just, sort of neutral but it feels but like the worst kind of thing which is that it feels productive or it feels like uh again to use that phrase from the the silver bullet right it feels like the silver bullet yeah i don't have that feeling anymore. <laughs> i never had the feeling like, it just mm-hmm. i i i don't even think the higher ups have the feeling it's a silver bullet the only thing i feel like it is uh it's a factor it's like the higher you up and you go in the org chart talked about this i think on this very program in the distant past like the more uh you need some security that what your comp that your company yes. a is doing something and yes. b doing mm-hmm. something that is vaguely in the direction that you want them to be doing it and so the, the major function of most of these things is to reassure people higher up than things that things are okay mm-hmm. no matter how much it annoys the people doing the work and that is a 
it's not a, you know, it sounds like a depressing function, but it's kind of an important function because if you are running a company or are doing that, don't you want to know that like, Mm -hmm. is the company doing stuff in the way that I want it to be? Like, what is your mechanism for leading? There's a great bit. There's a great bit in um, in uh, in Silicon Valley. Um, the, the particularly landed for me, and it's in one of the later seasons. But it's when um, I think it's when they're planning to put out the Gavin Belson box with the signature that looks like a penis. Um, and at a high level, they know there's been a slip, and they go and they talk to somebody who's like still fairly high up, and, and like saying, "Hey, look, you know, can the slip happen? Well, it was actually worse than that." And they keep the keep the further they keep going, quote unquote, down the line to the engineers that are like really getting their hands dirty, the more everybody's trying to pass the buck on this slip. And each time, each new person that learns about it, it's like this horrible game of telephone where you realize how much worse the slip is, but nobody above the person is going to know about that. It becomes almost like a Chernobyl kind of thing where nobody is communicating that, you know, to comrade uh, Gorbachev about like how bad the slip really is. And then, and then you get a big surprise. Yeah, and that's what a lot of these methodologies are designed to handle. Like, they people don't want that to happen. They're like, uh, like I, the, the traditional way of the traditional sort of not traditional, whatever the '80s style business is. Like, everyone's incentivized to do the Chernobyl thing, which is to say everything's fine, and then to yell at you, the people who are beneath you, and then keep going down at all, and it terminates in the leaf nodes who are just crapped upon. But but if you ask the person at the top, how's everything going? My people say it's going fine because if mm-hmm. they don't say that, they're like you're incentivized to lie and make it seem like things are better than they are. And so these methodologies, like you're going to be the uh, fall you know, guy, you're going to you're going to be the fall guy. If you know, like that guy, the guy who the guy with the mustache who was like the bad guy in episode one and ended mm-hmm. up, you know, who becoming kind of the fall guy. It's like Dantloff, I think I don't remember the names. Uh, actor was so good, but you know what I mean. Nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody. But even then, even while that guy's doing what he's doing, part of what makes like there's the, all those wonderful like jokes from the Soviet area era that are like such black humor. But he knew that he had to do what he was doing. Somebody was going to take the fall, and he knew it was probably going to be him. And it kind of was his fault in some way. Not his fault. You know what I mean? But still, no more than the you know, La La Land thing was you know Warren Beatty's fault. But you know. It's that becomes part of the institution. What you're certainly not going to be is the person who says, hey, you know what? This process is, is kind of screwed up. And, and I do you want to be the one who goes into the big, the whale room to like go have that discussion with the C-suite about like the process and the problems with the company? Woof. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that, like the agile methodology and most, you know, modern in, in the past few decades methodologies are designed to... Uh, not do the thing we were just discussing. They're like, okay, we have this problem. We know mm-hmm. that if we just set the things, this thing up as a hierarchy, everyone is incentivized to make it so that the people at the top don't know how bad things are. Like that's just a natural <laughs> state of affairs if you have this structure. So what kind of system can we put in place to realign incentives and to make it so that that happens less? Like that, that, And again, if you're a worker, you're like, I, you're telling me to do this system and all right, well, whatever. I, but like, what's the point? Like, what is the benefit? Mm-hmm. And the benefit you're not seeing as a rank and file software developer is that the benefit is not necessarily to you and probably not to you. It's that this system structured in this way makes it less likely that something catastrophic could be happening and that people at the top of the org have no idea. Because mm-hmm. because of the way it's structured and because of how the incentives are aligned, there's much more transparency and uh, it's explicitly stated that doing x is better than doing y like you know like don't you know 
don't make a grand plan and then lie about how it's going. Like make it impossible to do that. Uh, like just make it a system so that sort of you don't need any sort of courage or to have, you know, difficult conversations like you were just describing, like, oh, no one wants to go talk about that because it's going to be bad when it's time. Like, let's remove all those incentives and put in different incentives to say you successfully worked the system. And even though you continuously delivered bad news up through the organization, that's the system. And so because you successfully worked the system, you're rewarded, even though the results weren't necessarily what we all wanted, because we've decided that it's more important for the organization to know what the hell's going on. Like, that's the intent. It doesn't always work out that way because people are going to people obviously mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. i see what they're going for but from the bottom there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you know if you ever go through training for this type of thing where you're told this is what the system is supposed to be like this is why it's beneficial to you rank and file developer and they have a bunch of reasons and they're not bs reasons most of them are good reasons and people nod their head when they're in the class and say oh yes boy this sounds great but in the end i feel like the system exists not for those reasons. Like that's what the people who are taught it are told, but it's it's to fight against the Chernobyl situation. Mm -hmm. And you know, people people are amazing. They will find a way to subvert any system you give them, and mm -hmm. still manage to screw things up. And that's why I was saying, like having gone through a couple different systems like this and participated in it with a bunch of, for the most part, I've been very lucky in my career to always work with smart people who mean well. Not a lot of jerks. Uh, mm -hmm. Not a lot of dummies, like just everyone, just, you know, good people, empathetic people, smart people, all trying to do the right thing. And it's still, it's still hard. I and mean, we still all screw up. Uh, and that's like, this is like the best case scenario. But with good faith. Yeah. I, I, that's why I listen to the, the stories about, you know, high profile, successful companies like, you know, Apple or Microsoft and its heyday or Google or whatever. And, and you hear about these teams that sometimes have, this tremendous dysfunction and are not structured or operating in a way that makes any sense and yet do these have these amazing accomplishments. And it's like, I always wonder what the trade-off is. Like in my career anyway, it always seemed like it's probably more pleasant to work with good people in a, in a, a respectful atmosphere with good work-life balance and never produce an iPhone than to, you know, Oh, have no to question. deal with the jerky Steve Jobs yelling oh. at you and burn out after three years. But then no on question. the other other hand, uh, you know, that's one way to make a lot of money and that Apple stock is probably worth a lot and you can retire early. And so it's a balance. I can I can think of five companies off the top of my head that I am not going to name right now at all. I'll try to not even overly uh, allude to. But we all know famous stories of companies where they did something really, really radical and they were able to innovate and disrupt and make something great. But almost all of those companies, and you're all thinking of the same companies that I'm thinking of, and you've all heard the same stories as in all these companies. It's also a funny thing where you eventually learn there were some asterisks on that that nobody was talking about at the time. So like when you talk about like, hey, you know, any kind of criticism is welcome anytime. Well, unless it's about the boss and like what he's been doing on the side. Well, you know, um, you can take any kind of uh, vacation you want uh, anytime you want. Yeah, unless you're the pretty much anybody. And like if nobody else is taking beers out of the fridge, you're sure not. Anyway, there's there's just so many examples of this where like it seems like eventually the, the truth outs and you discover like, oh man, that place was actually 
either like a false economy or incredibly abusive a lot of the time. Or the, there was the, or the, the culture inside of that company, like people were, you know, it's Panopticon. That basically they were monitoring themselves and that they, that what looked like this really freewheeling, <laughs> higgledy-piggledy environment was actually kind of a terror to work at. And it's that terror that enabled them to quote unquote make something great. And who knows? Well, whether it enabled them or not, it was there. And like, that's the whole thing. Like it's, it's you know, it's back solving from the successes. Like you know, just all the people oh, who it's buying, buying leases, buying leases rock. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. I mean, how many, how many, uh, you know, millions of people are, are working in terrible environments and produce nothing great. Uh, like it's, yeah. <laughs> that's such a, that's such a, that seems like such false equivalency though. Yeah, I mean, like it, the thing is, even even in the cases where everything is great, like there are lots of stories you hear about. You know, I mean, Apple. I know a lot about Apple history. I've read a lot of books on it, or whatever. And you hear about like there was this team, there were these people. We were all really smart, and we were hardworking, and we had a good system, and we cared about each other, and we made an amazing thing. Even in that situation, there's also the if you actually talk to the people in person. But by the end of that. Mm-hmm. Like I was done. Like burnout is an issue. Like you, it's, it's not right. sustainable long term. We, we all kept telling, people... we all kept telling, we sharing these same campfire stories about the legacy of the company, and that kept everybody's morale up. And yeah, we made some good things. But like you know, how many marriages? How many like how many things? Just you, you just like, do you really want a company full of Obadiah stains? Like probably not. Yeah, or just or just just plain exhaustion. Like you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not sustainable long term. And the best companies have a way for that to be sort of bursty where. You do that, but then there's like a recovery period. And I think Apple is better about that now. Obviously, they were when they were a small mm-hmm. company. But there's a lot of people who, I want to say burn out of Apple, but like... Some of those Macintosh stories, even the, the Macintosh stories are wild. Yeah. And they, they go off and do other things and recharge. And sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. Sometimes if mm-hmm. they're lucky, they have the luxury of not having to come back because now they're fabulously wealthy with all the stock options they got, right? But, yeah. you know, that's... I don't know. It's... It, it's difficult to, when I was a kid, I would look on those things and say, that's what I want to do. Like, I'm, you know, again, idolizing the original Macintosh team, it seemed like an ideal thing, but getting into the workplace changed my mind about that a hell of a lot real fast. It's, it's like, I saw, you know, when you're a kid, you want to be a professional baseball player and you get older, you realize almost nobody gets to be a professional baseball player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And how does it feel to be a minor league baseball player or a beer league baseball player? And it feels very different and, you know. Not every software developer is going to make the iPhone. My, my like my my friend, the, the famous uh, redacted story is a friend of mine. I mostly know her husband, but that is a woman I know who uh, not does very interesting things in life. But um, I had a conversation with her probably at Sketchfest actually a few years ago, and it's a story I've told a million times now. But she had gone all the way through. I know this is an old story, forgive me, but she gone all the way through law school and was doing that very difficult studying to take the the California bar. And it wasn't in, some someone was bugging her, like someone was like like a you know spur under her saddle, and 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 she would come home from these study sessions really unhappy, um, and was trying to like figure out like what what the problem was. Is the work too hard? You know what what is it about this? And what, what she didn't realize until she's so smart, she finished law school, she's studying for the bar, um, and, and I don't mean to sound unkind, but what she realized was she hated being around lawyers. She didn't like the people who were becoming lawyers. She didn't like spending time with them. And just going to the study sessions, the personalities of the people that she was around made her so unhappy. My, uh, one of my really good friends in college who, ditto, he, uh, he was our, our class president, went on to be very successful in law school. He edited Law Review. 
Um, he had already gone through the bar. He hated being a lawyer so much. Nothing against lawyers, but this is true for everybody. He didn't realize how much he hated it until he had the job of being a lawyer. Like he was the president of New College and did really well in law school. And then he went and he taught law school because he hated practicing law so much. Somebody that smart didn't realize how temperamentally unsuited they were or their personality was just too like antithetical to what the work would demand. And again, there's absolutely nothing against anybody in their job. This goes so much for everybody. Like you think you want to be an actor, you think you want to be a musician, you think you want to be a programmer, you think you want to be a, a thought leader and an entrepreneur. And it's like, you don't, until you've done the stuff, it's, it can be difficult for even the smartest person to know that they're not disposed toward doing that work. And not just doing the work that if you, if you have it in your head that you're going to be the pro uh, baseball players, like thing you're going to be, you know, what's the famous lawyer, Clarence Darrow or whatever, like, you, you're like I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to, you know, plead an important case in front of the Supreme Court and <laughs> yeah, it's going Atticus, to be Atticus like, Finch. All right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what? So when that doesn't happen and you're just, just a plain old regular lawyer doing lawyer things, mm-hmm. does it still hold the same appeal for you? And like, like if that's what you're looking for in software development, like if you think I'm interested in software development because I'm going to make the next great application, whatever that may they be. You can invent uh, an AI for pizza. I'm going to write, I'm going to write my own operating system. I'm going to make windows. <laughs> right. And, and then you realize, well, new operating systems that are very popular don't come along very often. If that's your goal and you're only yeah. going to be happy if you make the new windows, now you want to be a major league baseball player. That would have been like, very handy in 1988. Yeah, and even then, uh, you know, yeah. is, is that going to happen? But or do you like? Are, are you happy being a software developer and that you like software development? Like you, you know, that's can you be happy in a job where you're just writing software that doesn't end up changing the world, or do you need it to change the world? And if you need it to change the world, that that's are you willing to tolerate a terrible work environment for that to happen? Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. These are all things I should be telling my children if they would ever listen to me. They won't. They won't. They don't even want to learn Photoshop commands. Okay, so That's I think true. I have a way to wrap this up. So the the thing that I was bringing to the table this week, I hinted at last week, is uh, when I looked at the patterns of what I was realizing in my secret weird things, I did find an interesting spot between legit weird things I do and that area that I was referring to as superstitions and compulsions. And so what is it? What did I call it? The name I gave it was eking out unnecessary efficiencies. And in describing this to, um, to our friend Dan, I said, uh, he instantly knew what I was talking about. You know, when you're, you're a little kid in elementary school and you finish your lunch and you, you open your milk carton all the way up and you try and jam all your trash into the milk carton and then get the milk carton as small as you can. And it becomes this kind of like ad hoc competition to like who can most efficiently do that. Have you considered opening your, uh, or folding the top of your milk carton closed, putting it on the ground and stepping on it to make a real loud popping noise. Is that, is that, that a form of compression? Is that what that is? Is that middle out? You get two guys here and they got to be this it, height. That's what we did with our milk. Is that's that good. what you did? Now that is, I think... I in, mean, today, in, think about it, Today you couldn't do that, right? No, these kids today sounds with like their a gunshot. aluminum. Yeah. No, oh, it sounds no, like a gunshot. You can't do that. It's going to be like the OA all over again. Exactly. Um, well, so then let me ask you this. So d- first of all, I think we could probably acknowledge that's it's not super critical that you win the competition for who made the smallest milk carton. But And I think, in fact, you could look at that and say that was probably an, an mostly unnecessary efficiency. Well, let me – well, first of all, would you, would you see that that could be a pattern is that maybe I just like being super on time – for the uh, European rally, that that maybe that's just how I am, right? That maybe unnecessary. Well, you're inventing your own rally with that milk carton because no one is demanding that your garbage be small. Right? How do you know when and if the efficiencies you seek 
uh, you can even use your own words for this. So the way I'll pose it to you is how do you know if the efficiencies that you're demanding or seeking uh, are necessary um, and or useful? How, how do you know that in your life or in your work? For the milk carton stuff and for most of the things like that that I do, I feel like it's nothing to do with whether the efficiencies are like what I'm, I'm feeding something internal. Like that's, that's entirely mm-hmm. like there is, there is an itch. There's an itch inside me that needs to be scratched by this activity. It is, it is self maintenance has nothing to do with uh, like you can try to rationalize and say, well, it is good. If garbage so takes could, up less space. And, it could be a spine in the yeah, book aesthetics thing. Right. Well, whatever it is, it's like, you, you know, it's not a monkey on your back. That's a bad way to put it, but it's just, you know, it's basic, human nature of avoid pain seek pleasure and sometimes you know your brain knows whether you know it at a conscious level or not that you find it would find it more pleasing to put all your garbage inside the little container like so for efficiency like like calling them efficiencies is itself a kind of a rationalization say oh this is this is part of doing something in a better way and it may be unnecessary but isn't it of course better to do it in a better way it's like you're just scratching an itch like you got your own demon dogs you're dealing with and that's and the thing is and there there are externalities beneficial externalities of doing that but when you notice it it's probably because that's why you say unnecessary it's like well is this really necessary right Maybe not but, yeah. but like i feel like that self-maintenance is not as we know feelings are real like that's, feelings that's not real. that's not nothing right that's the thing you should be doing so i mean but like you look at like a, like a ron swanson thing of like well on the one hand we can look over here and we see <laughs> staying within the mike shura verse over here we see what happens when michael scott makes a table and then over here for the wonderful episode called Dinner Party, over here we see what happens when Ron Swanson makes a table. And like, so somewhere in between, there's a kind of table that is aesthetically pleasing and doesn't wobble. Um, and maybe at a certain point, putting 300% effort in when you've already gone way beyond the amount of non-wobbliness that you're looking for, th- there probably are diminishing returns at some point. But it sounds like you're saying because feelings are real we're all we're tending to something internal uh aesthetic that's just just pleasing to us in the same way that it's fun to throw a ball against a wall maybe you know what i mean like there's just some things that are just enjoyable because we're human beings and that's not something to reject and yeah, not just enjoyable just it could be soothing like mm-hmm. in, in a stressful time to do that soothing type thing and especially things where where there are where it's not just like playing with a fidget spinner there is some effect on the outer world that is beneficial because hey showing up super on time for things is good being neat and having your garbage organized in a small bus is actually good it's just let's not fool ourselves to say that's why we're doing it but i you know i think those those are win-wins if there's something that you're doing that is uh, itching you know uh, uh, scratching an itch somewhere inside you but also making things better for yourself and others in some well, tiny not way harming, not harming anything or anybody yeah, yeah. yeah well like you like to play video games and you want to like level up your weapons and get all the things and do all the side quests and all that kind of stuff whereas like like me right now as i said to dan today in the series that i'm calling back to the mac uh 2020 i'm getting very much back into um, a handful of utilities that i'm revisiting including stuff like window management but especially like launch bar like i forgot about stuff like you know, all the ways you can invoke launch bar, there's like three different, you know, high level ways to invoke launch bar. You get instant send into launch bar. You get the ability to remember what an abbreviation is. And like, it's, that's my video game. For me, the video game is like, does it matter that I get this Amazon um, delivery number put into deliveries in the most efficient way possible? No, it's really not. I'm kind of just smashing my milk carton, but there is something pleasurable to knowing I just went tap, tap, tap and did that thing. Like, I, I would not want to, I would not want to like defend or endorse that behavior because of the efficiencies. 
sometimes there's just, no, I'm just answering my own question, but sometimes there's just stuff to do in life that's, that's enjoyable. Yeah, and you said it unnecessary efficiencies. You know they're unnecessary, but they are actually efficiencies. It is more efficient to do it that way. It's just, I mean, maybe not net-net if you figure out how long you spent figuring out how to do it and times how many times you do it, but we don't want to do that math. That's not what it's, it's mm-hmm. there for. Yeah, but you're also sharp. In some ways, you're now really, I'm really leaning into the douche calculars. Um, but like it is, a, it is also a form of sharpening the saw of like becoming more mindful of your environment and how you interact with it in some ways. And so like, for example, the one that I kept struggling with, and I'm just about done here, but the one I kept struggling with, I think, remember we talked a few weeks ago about how one of my weird things is I try to minimize the number of times I I, want to do like a chicken grain and fox thing Mm -hmm. with like taking stuff to the garage or bringing stuff up. And I try to like apportion how much stuff I'll carry when and how in order to like, it's not just because I'm lazy. It's that, it's that there's something pleasurable to me going, oh, I also remembered that. Got that, got that. And I'm making the robot arms. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a nice tension in that because you do realize that carrying too much stuff could be disastrous. So it's not as if you're trying to say, oh, let me take <laughs> the fuse. in the kill zone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have, there's a balance. There's a, there's a, there's a you know, delicious tension there of like, I don't want to take 27 trips, but I know one trip is too few. Uh, so what is the correct balance between risk and reward here? And that game... Never, you never complete that one because it's not as if like, well, I can do everything in one trip now because I'm a He-Man and I, this is no longer interesting. It will always be interesting because you can't do it in one trip and nor should you try because that would be bad. So that that balance is there. So that's that's a fun game to play. And also you don't want to do too many stairs. So you're motivated from from many fronts to do this, mm-hmm. to do this efficiency. I'm a level 15 min-max dad. And who's got to go home now and look for raisinets in his house? Mm-hmm. Remember to push the button, see if the towels are hung up. See, that's why I think you could actually get into this RPG type thing with uh, leveling and stats or whatever, because, you know. I'm more competitive than I admit. Min-maxing in those type of games is is kind of uh, We'll have to to grind, John. Yes, you will. What about crunch mode? We'll have to go into crunch mode? No, it's different. Developers do crunch mode. Well, what if I want to become a developer? You know, make something, make something really that's great. That's a whole other podcast. It seems like a good industry. It people seems like you, you love, get in there and... love to hear that podcast. Yeah, and they take care of you. Teach Merlin to be a developer. Work, work-life balance, AAA, all those kinds of things. Lots of tears, yeah. Tears? Oh, tears like is in climbing comp- competitively? Yeah. You mean like tears in rain? Exactly. <laughs> well, you are. You, you know that cold fusion. That doesn't scale the future. <laughs> <laughs> Application.cfm, <laughs> Uh, someone it, like in the in the 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 remains of our civilization, someone's gonna be like, oh, it looks like they almost had cold fusion. I don't know why the society collapsed. Like, no, not that. <laughs> that guy co- comes like, in in steampunk gear. He wipes he he wipes the dust off his goggles. Why didn't he use an include once? <laughs> no, no. I mean, do you remember the cold fusion fad in like the uh, late eighties, early nineties? Fad. That was how we ran our company. No, no. Actual cold fusion. Like the uh, reason lit, the product lit, is called literal, cold fusion. Literal cold. Yes, yes. Yes, so you remember that, right? And, uh, so Glenn. imagine, Glenn and imagine Fleischman aliens and... coming and they're sorting <sighs> through the, the remains of Earth. Everyone is all dead yes. now. And they find kind of in the same strata of like the remains, they find like the, the remains of like cold fusion, cold fusion, cold fusion, and also yeah. the, the web product. Oh, and they're, it's so they're confusing. Basically, they're basically Hans right next Fleischmann. to each other. That's it. They're right next to each other in, in, the, each other. in the sediments. And they're like, oh, I don't understand what happened. Like, how did they blow each other up? What's called fusion? They should have had free energy and would have solved, you know, all their conflicts over, you know, pollution and greenhouse gases. And they had cold fusion. And eventually someone like the scholar, like, 
you know, centuries later says, no, I figured it out. They were looking at the cold fusion, but they never figured it out. But then there was this HTML thing that Merlin did. <laughs> Who's Merlin? 